It's almost like destiny when the flag ended up evolving to include anybody who identifies as a woman or a woman-aligned person and is attracted to women and woman-aligned people or however you choose. If you identify as sapphic, basically, the flag is for you. Content warnings for this episode include racism. Jennifer would like to acknowledge the Indigenous peoples and unceded lands that the producers, hosts, and guests live and have dwelt upon. Today we honor the... Coast Salish. The Mohawk, Algonquin, and Anishinaabawaki peoples. And the Mi'kmaq, also known as Olnu. We honor the elders, the human, plant, and animal ancestors of these lands, and celebrate the living descendants of these peoples. May all beings tend these lands for the goodness of the next seven generations and beyond. Yaddy folks, welcome to Genderful, a talk show interviewing gender diverse people about their special interests. Hi. I'm Gendermaster, and my pronouns are they, them. Hi, I'm Miranda Katita, and my pronouns are she, her. The focus of our show is to interview trans, non-binary, agender, two-spirit, and gender-diverse people regarding their special interests, passion projects, and resources for the gender-diverse community. We want our audience to know that we hold multiple diverse identities and bring these lenses to the show with our passion for telling our stories. I identify as non-binary, transmasculine, polyamorous, ADHD, autistic, and disabled, chronic pain, and mobility issues. I also am white and reside in the United States. I identify as trans-feminine, neurodivergent, queer, and a person of color residing in Canada. We invite you to remember that we are whole people with robust lives, friendships, challenges, and successes. We love and are loved, and we are delighted to share these stories with you. As always, we kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of their identities. Your identities can change over time and are valid every step of the way. And if you think you're gender diverse, you are gender diverse. There's no social or medical prerequisite to be included in the community. Welcome to Genderful Podcast, a show interviewing gender diverse people about their special interests. Uh, this week, our guest is Lydia Isaac, they, them pronouns, and is chatting with us about the pride flag that they created. Uh, Lydia Isaac is a Mi'kmaq two-spirit person who created a new pride flag in 2018 based off of a poem by the ancient Greek poet Sappho. Welcome to Jennifer, Lydia Isaac. Thank you so much for having me. It was very exciting to be uh, invited. Ah, oh, well, it's it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, I'm sure yeah. going to have a lot of questions about uh, about your flag and about this poem because uh, I am a little bit of a nerd for for Greek mythology and and, and like ancient Greek history and stuff like that. So um, I actually have um, a copy of. Uh, what are they called? Um, oh my god, I have a copy of Circe and the Song of Achilles on my bookshelf, which. Ah. Uh, are two books I very highly recommend. Uh, they are, uh, so Circe is my favorite. It is a uh, reimagining of, uh, so it's basically the story of, uh, like, so Circe is like a character in the Odyssey. Uh, she's one of the people that Odysseus encounters and it's telling the story from her perspective. And it's uh, it's great. I, I loved it. It's so great. Uh, so checking that off on my read list for sure yes. That yes. so that's actually her second book the author's name is I'm blanking on her name right now her first book was the song of Achilles I've read is, it, it oh, I've if, read you, like the, if you like the song of Achilles you'll love Circe good to know uh, I, I like Circe more than song of Achilles although song of Achilles is way more gay <laughs> by nature of its subject matter yes of course of course but we will get to that later uh, so we have a couple of questions that we like to ask 
all of our guests. Uh, the first one being, what might be the things that you can trace back to your youth that indicated you might be gender diverse one day? Uh, this is something I tell a lot of people because I, th I, it's like wild that I never knew back then that this would be like a red flag, uh, that maybe something was different about me, but like, I had this neighbor at one point and she was a very nice lady, but uh, she was 100% convinced that I was a boy because of the way I dressed, because of the way I acted. I never corrected her. You know, I grew up, um, I was assigned female at birth um, and, you know, I was raised as a young girl, but this woman identified me as a boy and I never bothered correcting her because I liked it. Nice. Well, that's awesome. It's, uh, I mean, that's, I'm sure a lot of people can identify with that experience. It's just like that, like recognition of like, you know, being identified as the gender you want to be identified as. When you're a kid too, mm -hmm. you don't even really yeah. conceptualize it. You just think, oh, that's cool. This woman thinks I'm a boy. I have no problem with that. Yeah. And it's like, not until later that you learn, it's like, oh, I shouldn't have been doing that or whatever. Cause I know that like, I mean, I, I grew up during a time when like gender diversity was not super well accepted. And even at a young age, um, I kind of internalized. It's like, oh, I'm not supposed to want to be a girl. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, when you get that acknowledgement, that that freedom to express yourself at a young age, that oh, it just pays dividends down the line. It just it, it does wonders for your, your own personal growth and your own personal happiness. Uh, speaking of things down the line, how would you say your relationship to gender has evolved over time? It's definitely coincide with my relationship to my indigeneity because my father is Mi'kmaq, but I used my white passing privilege growing up. My mother is of German descent to really hide that part of me because I didn't want people to bully me further. I mean, like mm -hmm. I was ridiculed for being for having you know a father with visibly brown skin and people would say is mm -hmm. that your real father I would wear seal gloves to school and be tortured by other children who thought that was the grossest thing in the world like so from a very young age I hid that part away from me mm. and in learning in my early 20s how wrong that was on multiple levels like hurting me hurting my community hurting everybody so I, you know, started to reconnect and by reconnect, I mean, like gain back what I threw away basically. And it was a huge process. I still consider myself going through, like, it's something you learn every day. Um, but part of that was also learning about two spirit identities and realizing how whole that made me feel like mm. I, you know, I first identified as a lesbian and, you know, I, it and non-binary and you know it was like trying to conform into a box and I still use non-binary to describe myself when explaining my two-spirit identity to people who don't quite understand how that works mm. but primarily you know the understanding of two-spirit and that connection to my ancestors and that role that that means I must play a part of my community you know, it's including my indigeneity into my gender like that, that makes me feel like a whole person. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. That's really fantastic. I uh, actually wanted to pull on that thread a little bit more uh, because uh, a lot of people listening may not be fully aware of what it is to be two spirits. So what is what does being two spirit mean to you? To me, it means um, 
you know, that connection to your ancestors who felt the same way and honoring them. Like this is, of course, to spirit identities, there is no single identity. I mean, you have individual nations, thousands and thousands of them, and each of them had different roles and gender understandings. So mm-hmm. I just want to clarify by me saying this, I am not saying that that's the umbrella experience yeah. for everybody. And that's why I was very clear asking that, it, what does it mean to you? To me, yes. you know, I feel like when I identify as two-spirit and talk to other two-spirit peoples, I have a cousin who is also two-spirit. Like, I feel as if my ancestors are also present with me and I feel strength from that. And I feel like I want to honor the people that are coming after me too, to know that like this history and this culture is not lost. Like, Mm -hmm. I want them to know that they are a whole person too. Like, I want them to not have to go through the same unfortunate suffering that I went through before I finally came upon this realization that there's nothing wrong with me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a long road for us, so for some of us it anyway, is. to like. I mean, to realize especially that. like mm-hmm. with you know the two spirit identities. There's such a huge history that's you know been pushed down and hidden mm. for yeah. so long because of colonization and the struggle to survive to keep that identities um, and other identities under that two spirit umbrella alive is you know, a huge undertaking that I feel like I get to be part of something special. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's fantastic. And I'm, I'm really glad that we had the chance to to talk about that because um, I, I'm, I'm not so fortunate in that I haven't really gotten to meet very many two-spirit people. So that's one of the best things about this job is I get to talk to so many different people and get to learn about all their different stories. So uh, I really want to thank you for for sharing your stories with us. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I to be honest, I, uh, I, I, I learned about the concept of what two-spirit was uh, maybe like six years ago. Um, so, cause I, like, I always like saw it in the acronym, you know, the LGBT, LGBTQ2, 2IA plus, right. And it's like, well, what's that two for? Well, you know, uh, mm. and I had to actually like go out and find out about it. And, um, and it's not something that's like very frequently talked about. And, and I'm happy to give a platform to people to, to talk about that stuff because it is, um, that intersection of gender identity and cultural identity is, is really, really important. Yeah, I mean, I first learned about it through a book. Um, there's a, an elder, a local elder, his name was Daniel N. Paul, and he wrote a really great book called We Were Not the Savages, and um, highly mm. recommend it. And uh, he did a like intro to another book specifically on gender and sexual diversity in the Mi'kmaq community, and the title is escaping me right now, and I feel terrible about that, but Mi'kmaq Pu'o'an is part of the title. And when I read that, it was like the world opened up to me. Awesome. Well, I would love to get into our special topic today, which is the making of the the Sappho flag. Uh, So first of all, what were your motivations in creating this flag? So to be clear, this flag was created before there was a commonly used lesbian flag. It was created Mm. back when I identified as a lesbian, and I wanted to contribute to the effort to finding a flag that lesbians could use. So its original 
ye olden days intent um, was just, you know, something that uh, lesbians of all diversity and inclusion could identify with. But mm. it evolved since then. <laughs> I was actually not aware of that because, um, I, I mean, I've seen a couple different lesbian flags. Uh, my favorite is the one with the battle axe. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, that's interesting how um, it's kind of a recent development that, you know, kind of lesbians have their own flag. And uh, I mean, I'll be honest, uh, there are so many flags that like I can't remember most of them. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think it is really important that each kind of subculture has you know, a symbol they can, they can rally behind. Uh, so I think that's, that, that's really, that's a really great thing that, you know, that you're able to create that. Um, now, how, now, maybe we've kind of talked about this al al already, but who would you say the Saffle flag is for? Who did you intend it for? Originally, I intended it for, you know, lesbians or like, you know, people who identified um, in Sapphism, but I also learned like Sapphism isn't just lesbianism, mm. contrary to some people on the internet might say. Um, <laughs> and so it's really nice. It's almost like destiny when the flag ended up evolving into something mm. more to include anybody, you know, who identifies as a woman or a woman aligned person and is attracted to women and woman aligned people or, you know, whatnot. However, you choose, if you identify as sapphic, basically. The flag is for you. It's you can choose to represent yourself with this. Oh, I love that because uh, lesbian is like not a word I've really like identified with that much because, uh, you know, I am attracted to women, but I'm also attracted to some subset of non-binary folks. Yeah. And I felt like even though like there, you know, there's more than one definition of lesbian, but I felt like that that word wasn't enough to encompass the kind of the, the totality of what, you know, I, what I feel attracted to. And I feel like the word sapphic is a much better descriptor. So thank you for giving me this word. <laughs> yeah, I, sapphic and Achillean, I, I like those terms quite a lot. Mm. Um, I think they, you know, ring back to... Um, like I'm, as you said, I'm a Greek mythology nerd too. So there's that angle of it. But I also just like, I like the freedom of not having specifics. Yeah. yeah. So not to say, not to say that, you know, people who identify as lesbians can't be attracted to non-binary folks yeah. as well, you know, but like, if you don't feel like you fit that bill, like there's other options out there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's like, it's, it's not, it's not prescriptive. It's not like, oh, yeah. you identify as this. And it's like that, this is how you must be. It's like, no, these, these are just labels that help us kind of, um, navigate our own sexuality or our own, uh, you know, gender diversity. So, um, I mean, I've always used the word queer because of how nonspecific it is. Mm -hmm. It's just like, well, I'm queer. And then if you really want to know, you have to ask me additional questions. <laughs> Uh, but I think Sapphic does a really good job of kind of describing, you know, what what it is I was going for. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, this actually it's not on my list of questions, but I want to get I want to get right into the Greek mythology stuff. So tell us tell us about this poem by, by Sappho. Tell us about Sappho to help me everything. I want to know everything. So Sappho is, you know, a very famous ancient Greek po uh, poet 
who um, through her poetry we know was attracted to women. Um, there's a lot of arguments whether she was bisexual, lesbian. I don't think it's appropriate to put a label on somebody of that time because there was mm. very different views on gender and sexuality, period. Uh, that's besides the point. The point is we know that she wrote these beautiful pieces about um, her love for an, another woman and the fact that they were preserved all this time to show us today that even our ancestors all around the world experienced the same things that we're experiencing um, is very beautiful. And there's one poem in particular where she describes the uh, flowers and the um, plants that decorate her lover. And that is the poem that really spoke to me because I oh. could envision it so perfectly in my mind what she was describing. And the colors just came to me through the descriptors of this poem. And so I picked the colors by the different flowers, the dill, um, the like the whatever, whatnot. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Oh, I'm getting all the warm fuzzies right now. <laughs> uh, so this this flag originally uh, was a lesbian flag. So how did that uh, how did that evolve to its kind of its broader like sapphic meaning? Like how yeah. did you get from point A to point B there? I wish I could give you a clear-cut timeline, but it kind of just happened with the will of the internet. Uh, it gained the nickname the Sappho flag because of its source from the poem, which mm -hmm. I, when I shared the flag, I, of course, shared its history and like how I came to come up with this design and included the poem in it. And then that, um, of course, you know, translated to, well, Sapphism, of course, encompasses more than just lesbianism. It's anybody who is attracted to women and women-aligned folks. And um, somebody made a TikTok at some point where they were discussing, like, lesser-known flags, and they included the flag design that I made, and they called oh, wow. it the Sapphic flag. And I think that was a big turning point because suddenly I saw other people using this flag that I made that at, mm. kind of disappeared. Um, and then it came back and I thought, well, you know, I have a different relationship with that identity now myself. I no longer identify as a lesbian, um, but I still identify as sapphic. So mm. it worked out well that this flag had a, a journey parallel to my own. That actually covers the next question I had was oh. <laughs> like, how, how does it, you know, uh, how do you, what relation do you personally have to it? But I think you've already done a great job of answering that question. So. I relate uh, to that though. Like I, I identified as like a non-binary lesbian for a long time. And so it's like, am I really a lesbian? Cause I'm like, not a girl TM, but also not a boy question marks. <laughs> so yeah. I, love, I love that the, the, the sapphic flag can be more about like, it's more about attraction than like specifically one's body configuration or mm -hmm. like, yes, you know, exactly. it's, At it's least more trans-inclusive, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. More, yeah. More I mean, two-spirit in-betweener, not here, not there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely yeah, had some influence in that mindset. Absolutely. It's so that. poetic. Uh, and yeah, like personally, like that's like. Literally. 
Well, I mean, first, because like, I mean, I've always been, I've always been attracted to women, but like, I, I don't necessarily care like what chromosomes they have or how they present. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like, are you a woman? Are you feminine? Because that's, you know, that's what what I'm into, right? And, um, and it's nice to have a word for that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think from what I understand of, you know, ancient Greek times, I think they had a very similar viewpoint in like, you know, how do you describe femininity today versus then? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you know, people like people who identified as men would wear makeup, like that was fine. But like, yeah. and you know, yeah. Yeah. And it's um... today femininity is associated with like hyper makeup and everything, but and you know, men can't touch that. And uh it's interesting to see how that changed over time. So like if you're mm -hmm. trying to apply these historical lenses, you might as well do it like keeping in mind that you're doing it from present times perspective. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. And our our current perspective, it's not even it's not even a global perspective. It's a very much yes. like a it's it's very much like a Western, you know, Judeo-Christian perspective. And different parts of the world have other differing perspectives on that. And this idea that like, oh, this is how it's always been. It's like, no, like you know, it's these sorts of attitudes have changed over time, and they change across different across different cultures. So, um, like yeah, long hair. And, like I grew up around men with long mm -hmm. hair. Like. Mm -hmm. It's just normal. And yeah. then to a lot of, you know, white settlers, that's very weird to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just this idea that like, oh, this like gender diversity or or sexual diversity is is a new thing. That's like, oh, this is like, you know, the Western contamination or it's that's it's just a bunch of nonsense because it's always existed. We've always been here. If you I mean, you look at these old Greek myths, you, they're, they're gay as heck. They're yes. gay as heck if you if you read the Iliad or the Odyssey or or any they're so gay, so gay. <laughs> Hello. If you're just tuning in, we're here with Lydia Isaac. They them pronouns, and we're talking about pride flags. So, other than the one that you created, this cool one, like you made yes. it so cool. You can see it on the screen. On, there. It's on screen. I forgot to tell you all. And then when it's just Lydia Isaac talking, it's your entire background. So it's like this giant, glorious yes. cloak that you're wearing of like <laughs> lesbian sapphic joy. So good. If you're listening to us in the future in podcast form, none of this means anything to you. But check the show notes, and you'll be able to find. A picture of it. Maybe we could do a verbal description of the flag. Would you feel comfortable doing that for us? Lydia? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let me uh, bring it up so I actually have a proper <laughs> description. Um, if you hang on a sec, it is indeed so pretty. Mm. I should have been prepared for this. I kind of, no, I kind of want one now. <laughs> we, we surprised you with this. Yeah. So the top is a violety purple. The second is a nice pink. The third is yellow, and then the bottom is green. And so each of those um, colors represent a different flower, and then the green is dill. Um, and I'll just remind you that those different flowers came from the poem that Sappho wrote about her love draped in this flower crown and it represents uh, sapphic love fragility strength and healing which is also coinciding with the different meanings of those plants so Aww. yeah what are the other plants it's, 
It's so um, good. The plants, uh, so I saw um, a crocus flower, um, a rose, um, what is, um, yeah, the crocus flower, the rose, dill is green, and then uh, rose, violets. Yes, of course, violets. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why, why did I miss Violet? Yes. <laughs> I love that. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Violets, rosebuds, dill, and crocuses. And uh, if you'll uh, just give me a second, I can actually quote the poem. It's all the violet tiaras, braided rosebuds, dill, and crocus twined around your young neck. Oh, That's the uh, passage. Yeah. Oh, it's so sweet. I'm in love with this. <laughs> uh so yeah other than this incredible flag uh what are your favorite pride flags so i really like the you know the standard rainbow flag because mm -hmm. i love the sense of unity it gives to the community um and other than that one i also really like this is a very specific flag that not many people would recognize outside of atlantic canada but the wabanaki two-spirit alliance flag features mm -hmm. a Mi'kmaq hieroglyph of the um, plural form of spirit. And so um, to spirit basically on top of a standard rainbow background, but it's uh, pulling from these hieroglyphs that the people of ancient times would carve into rocks and use as communication, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. There's, there's so many flags. And they're all like, they're all like awesome in their own way. <laughs> they do. And they, they yeah. bring, yeah, like they bring joy and it's nice knowing that people can unify under something. Yeah. 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 Cause like, um, I'm maybe divesting some of my um, personal politics here, but I, I'm not a fan of flags in general, like national flags, uh, but I adore pride flags. I make the exception there. I was like, yes, I stand behind this. Like, give me all the pride flags. <laughs> because uh, i mean like not to get into personal politics but yes. i you know would not weep tears if canada dissolved um uh mm. it's you know i am an indigenous person and canada is built on top of my people's yes. land so yes um i don't and, relate to the canadian but, flag that flag doesn't represent me but mm. i do feel represented by a rainbow flag or by a sapphic mm. flag so. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's part of the reason we do our, our land acknowledgement at the start is sweet. I mean, we acknowledge that these are unceded lands. Like, that's not just a catchphrase. It's, you know, it's true. So, um, you know, I'm like, I'm a first generation immigrant. So, like, I don't have that, like, generational, you know, baggage that comes from, from, uh, from colonialism. But I still benefit from the colonial system, just living here and not being marginalized in that particular way. <laughs> So that's why I think that even though, like, you know, my ancestors didn't participate in the the, the colonization of, of these lands, I still benefit from it. And I, it's still worth acknowledging that. Um, so uh, on a lighter note, yes. <laughs> um, have you thought about creating or redesigning any other pride flags? It's not really something that's crossed my mind, particularly just because I don't have that personal motivation anymore. I feel mm -hmm. like I've done my job with this one. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing I will warn people who, you know, might think about this, be prepared for some unfortunate political baggage of people trying to um, 
put words into your mouth, assume yeah. things about you yeah. um, <laughs> because you've created this thing and they want it to fit their own imagination. And, you know, I understand that when you put something out onto the internet, it can take a life of its own. You only have mm -hmm. so much control over it. And so just be wary of that. And and that's not something I really feel like dealing with at this point Oh, that's um, totally fair. anymore. Like, you know, you got to pick your battles. Yeah, no, absolutely. Maybe if I rephrase this question, is there, um, is there, is there a community that you feel is underserved by the lack of a, of a pride flag or mm. maybe, or could use the redesign on their pride flag? Maybe not you personally needs to do it, but are, are there any, I would like to see mm. a different two-spirit pride flag rather than just a rainbow with a feather on it. Um, because for one thing, as far as I'm aware, that flag might not have been even created by an Indigenous person. I'm pretty sure it was just somebody on DeviantArt who designed this and it caught on. Now, don't quote me on that. I might be wrong. I would have to do some further investigation yes, on it. I yeah. don't want to like, you know discredit somebody without proper um knowledge mm -hmm. but it's it was very suspect when i found the origins of this commonly used flag and i think that mm. it's a flag if it was to catch on and be a you know an umbrella two-spirit flag should be made by a two-spirit person yeah no um, i agree with that because i mean it's basically just the rainbow flag with a little thing tacked onto it yeah um, it's and not really designed from the ground up no, I, and I would like something a bit more original, something that's easier to reproduce too, like something mm -hmm. um, like that is easily recognizable from a distance, like, you know, and something not too busy either. Like there is another one that it's, it's um, a two-spirit flag. I mean, it's got a very intricate design though, and I find that's not easily reproduced and i think that's something mm -hmm. you got to keep in mind when you're making a flag yeah then that's actually a great segue into our, our next question here is we kind of got into this a little bit already but uh do you have any advice to uh gender or sexual diverse folks who would want to design a new pride flag yeah so like i just said i think accessibility is something you really have to keep at the forefront of your mind not just in how it's going to be reproduced but how it's going to be viewed, you know, like you don't want to blend too many similar colors together. Um, you don't want to choose colors that aren't web safe. And by web safe, I mean colors that are going to look the same on any monitor, um, any internet connection, um, something that's easily recognizable. And that's one of the reasons why I chose this specific hues for the colors that I made in the sapphic mm -hmm. flag. Um, another thing to consider is you want to, in my opinion, make it easy to add the progress triangle in the corner um, if people want to do that. So I really like the um, option of having that divided line in the center so the triangle can come at a perfect peak. Hmm. Um, that's just aesthetic choice on my part, though, but it's something to think about. If you have too many colors, too many stripes, then it's going to take away from that progress triangle that people yeah. might want to include. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. um, you know the third thing, uh, don't just focus on aesthetics. Like this is something that you know it might catch on, in which case people are going to be look for meaning behind it. I mean the uh, Gilbert Baker Pride Progress flag, 
I mean, it has meaning behind every single color. Like the choices weren't just, well, this looks pretty, you know, mm-hmm. like there was, there was background choices made what each represents. And so if you want it to catch, like if it's going to catch on, um, it should have um, meaning behind it. Like what is the message that you are trying to get across? Who are you trying to include? And by mm-hmm. including them, what are you telling them, inviting them to use your flag for? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because uh, maybe not a lot of, not maybe not everyone knows this, but even on the like, you know, the quote unquote traditional pride flag, each one of those colors has a specific meaning associated with it. Uh, don't ask me to tell you what those are because I don't know off the top of my head, oh, but dear. I know that they have me. I know they have them. <laughs> uh, now, we actually in house, we have, designed a uh, progress flag. Excited, Master, do you want to tell us about that? I have an excited info dump for you both. <laughs> so, uh, Lydia Isaac, you just mentioned the Gilbert Baker Pride Progress flag. Did you know that we created that here? That no, was us? I didn't. <laughs> Oh my gosh! As far as I know, we're the only people with merch about it so far. It's beautiful. Um, this is this is a cat hug sticker that I'm holding up to the camera. It's got so the Gilbert Baker Pride Progress takes the original eight stripes of the Gilbert Baker flag from 1978 and combines it with Pride Progress 2.0, which has the intersex inclusion in addition to trans and BIPOC uh, stripes in the chevron on the left. It also fixes the part where the chevron was not pointed at the middle because that was super annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like lined up correctly. And we made this. I, um, Mirami and I were doing a search on the interwebs and I was like, wait, how does this flag not exist yet? Like, this is such an obvious thing because it's reaching back to the ancestors of like Gilbert Baker and the original, like, let's make a flag about identities of folks. And then thinking forward about what's the most inclusive version of like the Pride Progress that includes, you know, as many of the identities as possible, which is why it has the intersex inclusion instead of just uh, BIPOC and trans, which is 1.0, is it doesn't have intersex in it. So um, it was very hard to squish onto this little kitty heart and get all all eight of the stripes with yeah, the Yeah, I mean, there's a lot stuff. going on on that flag. But we did it. It took us like hours. But yeah, we we made that. That was us. Like that we looked a everywhere. Huge thing we to be proud of. We published it on the thing. It was so cool. Mm. And I love it. I really want to see if we can figure out how to print it and have it for sale at Trans Pride next year. Um, because I just think that'd be cool. So I actually have an ask out to um black queer flag makers to see if they can make it happen. Cause also you have to think about who's supplying your stuff. And I don't want, mm. you know, random white people who are cishet to be getting our monies. <laughs> Yeah, red no, bubble or whatever yeah 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 so trying to be mindful with our suppliers and stuff because you know it's it's nice to keep our money in the the broader to us lgbtqa plus community um anyways yeah we we buried that that was me and me that's amazing so guys oh that's great um just, i'm gonna bring us back on topic to uh, i'm gonna do our best to actually end the show on time <laughs> <laughs> we have a couple concluding questions Incredible. that we ask all of our guests uh but first of all is there anything that we missed about the sappho flag or just uh, flag making in general that you'd like to make sure that you say i do just want to narrow home that while it did start off as a lesbian flag it is not um within that box anymore it has evolved 
I mm -hmm. want it open to, if you like this flag, if you feel like this flag touches you and represents you, it is yours, you know, like do with it what you want. Um, I have no patent or whatever on it. Mm -hmm. I don't care if people want to print it or, you know, replicate it or do whatever. I just, I'm glad it's out there for people to use. <sighs> awesome. Uh, so this next question is actually my favorite question uh, because in our current current day and age, uh, unfortunately, uh, gender diverse and sexually diverse people are often framed in um, in our negative experiences and our you know our pain and our suffering and our tragedies. Uh, I think it's far more important that we share our joy. Uh, can you share an experience that you've had with gender euphoria? I certainly can. I'm very happy to say that I received my um, top surgery just this February. Congratulations. And I know it's, um, it was life changing. And I, when I looked at myself in the mirror the first time, the best way I can describe it is feeling like I was fully present. I was for the first time fully present in my body. And that's the most euphoric I've ever felt, I think. Like, oh. and I'm just still riding that high today. So oh, I love that for you. That's so wonderful. It's, you know, we, we hear that from like so many people that's, uh, you know, go through gender affirming care and some, and yeah, it re can like, not for, not necessarily for everyone, but for the people that does make a difference to it, it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, master will be the first person here to tell you about how much, you know, gender affirming surgeries have, have changed their life. So I don't want to put you on the spot because you're pushing buttons, but if you'd like to chime in, feel free. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, the whole reason I started gender federation is because I know how life changing and life saving trans care can be. And so I made a stream team that fundraises so that trans people can get their surgeries because it's not always financially accessible to us. And like justifying all that stuff to your insurance company like is a lot and it doesn't cover a bunch of other things like your time off work. And if you need a caregiver because you don't have access to your like ancestral wealth and community, like there are some ways that being queer is so isolating and like, mm -hmm. you know, if you have to pay for that community to be healthy and safe, like one that is so sad and painful to even sit with but also like the least we can do as like i'm using queers expansively as like all of the all of the alphabet soup friends like as <laughs> queers on the internet we can be there like in spirit and with our wallets like if we even if we can't be there in person and so i'm very passionate about gender federation ha 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 yeah and finally, uh, what would you like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary trans and or gender diverse issues? I have a very firm stance that racism and transphobia are intrinsically linked. You know, mm. gender conformity has always mm -hmm. been a colonial settler enforced set of rules. And mm -hmm. those rules have especially been against indigenous and black folks to try and control us. I mean, and... I just, when we talk about gender nonconformity, we need to remember that, like you said, you know, earlier, um, there are different culture, cultural understandings of gender. And to erase that is not just transphobia, it is racism. Mm. Yeah, we're in full agreement there. <laughs> Lydia Isaac, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. You were absolute pl pleasure. Uh, Lydia Isaac is a two-spirit Mi'kmaq person with 
too many opinions. Uh, you can find <laughs> them on a Tumblr at, uh, you can find the link there in the chat as well as uh, in the show notes if you're listening to this in the future. Uh, and here is this week's Clouder Query that you, our audience, can answer on our social media platforms. Yes, so I wrote it down. Uh, why do we care about pride flags? Why do we seek representation in a flag? Awesome. All right. So coming soon. Uh, so next week, there will be no genderful, but on October 30th, our guests will be Ilara Stefania Godeg. Uh, they then pronounce will be discussing their experience with magic, spirituality, and disability. Very apropos for the day before Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> it's and the, the day before scary season hooray <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna wear my uh i'm gonna wear my uh my fun ghost uh leggings <laughs> nice. i will just continue mm. being a witch <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <my> <laughs> uh, awesome i can do the next little bit sure um, jennifer would like to thank all of our supporters on patreon holly blash winter vespers Loch Ness gamer Justin Baker Rojas, Sandra Mickelborg, Yaisio, Ray of Swords, Sherry Keller, Mirami, the Hessian, and Trans Capybara. Thank right. you, everyone. Thanks, Thanks for everyone, for here. tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode. Next time on the Genderful Podcast. Genderful would like to thank our guests for being on this podcast. If you'd like to catch us live, join us on Mondays on twitch.tv forward slash gendermeowster. Show notes will appear in the edited versions of the show on Fridays on both YouTube and podcasting platforms. If you have a question you'd like the host to answer or are gender diverse and would like to request an interview, please send an email to genderfulpodcast at gmail.com or sign up via the website at genderfulpodcast.com. As a gender diverse community, the Clouder wants to assure our listeners that we are prepared to moderate our spaces. We will get positive and negative feedback on these shows and topics. And we have a moderation team on our channels, socials, and Discord server ready to deal with this. Please join our Discord server at discord.gg forward slash meowster to meet the community and get a regular digest of solidarity resources. You can also support us with subscriptions on Patreon, following and reviewing us on your favorite podcasting platform, or engaging with our posts and content on social media at genderfulpod and at gendermeowster. You can take a few minutes to rate the show. We will post any five-star reviews on our socials, so get creative. Mention a special interest of your own, a project you're working on, or even say hi to your comfort person in your review. What power? This show is made possible by volunteers, tips, and subscriptions. Shout out to the folks helping us coordinate guests, edit the podcast, moderate the live chat, and post on our socials. Here's our artist credit. Jennerful is hosted by Miranda Katita and Jennermeowster. Jennerful's pre-show is wrangled by Juice Tex. Jennerful's live stream is produced by Mirami. Jennerful is edited and mixed by Trans Griffin and Free Range Megs. Jennerful's promos and thumbnail graphic are designed by Trans Griffin. Jennerful's social media is managed by Keenzie. Jennerful's theme song is called Hope by Free Range Megs, also known as Soma. The current Gendermeowster logo was designed by Siptopia. Genderful is the intellectual property of Gendermeowster. All rights reserved. Trans, Trans rights, rights are human rights. rights. That's right. right.